Welcome to Learned Leg, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. I'm in Zephyr A, and Amanda is in Zephyr B. This is season 27 for me, and season 23 for Amanda. And this is day three of season 95. Our first question asks, uh, what uh, space travel company <gasps> transported uh, Colby Cotton, some uh, Jason Robinson, and Michael Strahan in, into space? So I figured this is going to be one of three. This is going to be SpaceX, uh, Elon Musk's. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos's, or it's going to be Virgin Galactic, uh, Richard Branson's. Sure. Uh, as far as I know, those are the three space tourism companies. Right. Like I know that the Russian space agency used to send people up hmm. uh, for an amount of money, but that wouldn't be a company. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, uh, so I. I actually did these questions way later than usual, like 3.30 in the afternoon, I think, is when I finally submitted. Um, and I just kind of looked at them in the morning and then went about my day and sort of, and didn't, didn't focus on them to the extent that I often do. Uh, but I remembered that there were three people, because apparently Thorsten listened yesterday and is going to torment me with <laughs> trilogies uh, this entire season. Uh, and so... As I was as I was trying to eliminate them in my mind without looking at the questions again, I thought, okay, if two of them are British, then it's going to be Virgin Galactic. If not, then it's one of the other ones. It's either SpaceX or it's Blue Origin. Mm-hmm. And when I pulled them up and read them again, I thought, okay, not entirely certain about any of them except Strahan, I'm pretty sure, is American. Dude Perfect, I think, is an American YouTube group. Uh, and probably anybody who was on Survivor is going to be American. Mm-hmm. So probably these are three Americans. I can cross Virgin Galactic off the list. So it's either Blue Origin or SpaceX. Rule one is read every word in the question. The word space is in this question. Take SpaceX off the list. Mm. If it had said, you know, traveled into the Earth's orbit or traveled on a rocket above the stratosphere or something like that. Rule two, read the words that aren't in the question. The word space isn't in the question. That leans that would have leaned me toward that one. As was, I crossed off SpaceX and I said Blue Origin. I did, I guess, a less formal version of this, just thinking, you know, I, Virgin Galactic didn't even come to mind. I had sort of forgotten that they exist, but I thought of SpaceX and I kind of thought like, I feel like SpaceX isn't doing as many of these sort of celebrity um, trips to space quite as much, I guess. Um, I don't know why I think that, but I considered who these folks were and thought, do I think they are likelier to be hosted by someone like Elon Musk, who like, you know, we may recall is not American by mm. birth after all, mm. or does this sound like more of a Jeff Bezos kind of group? Like, do I think he probably knows uh, Michael Strahan and people like that? Yeah. I think that sounds more like what, what blue origin would do. Um, and so I, you know, just kind of on instinct, I don't think I had, I maybe vaguely heard that he had gone on one of these trips the other two people I've really never heard of. Um, and so I just thought, yeah, that sounds about right somehow. And so I also went with Blue Origin. And that was correct. Yay. 
Yeah, now that I think of it, uh, I think the, probably the most famous of those space tourists is William Shatner. Yes. Who was also on a Blue Origin flight. Okay. I don't know that I remembered that necessarily. I was just looking it up real quick. Um, I think I thought I think I might have thought he went SpaceX just because he's a gigantic d bag and Elon's a gigantic <laughs> d bag. So naturally, a match but, made in the heavens, so to yeah, speak. There it is. Question two asks us which of the thirty-one Mexican states is ironically the largest. This has to be Chihuahua, because it is the namesake of the cute tiny little dogs. For some values of cute, it depends on your preference, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the only answer I considered um, with the ironical part in mind. Uh -huh. um, but I think I also kind of just knew this as a fact unto itself. Um, so, you know, putting those two things together, I felt pretty confident in putting down Chihuahua. Yeah, kind of same here. Uh, I, I figured, oh, this has got to be Chihuahua. Uh, I know that Chihuahua's in the north. Um, I don't know that that militated against or for it being big, although I guess since mm -hmm. Mexico kind of narrows as it goes south, it makes sure. sense that one of the north ones would be one of the largest, or the largest. Uh, and I, I kind of tried, briefly tried to think of, okay, is there a, a state with, like, grande in the name? <laughs> uh, and there may be, but I couldn't think of any. Uh, I know there's, like... Alta California and Baja California. Ironically, um, the state of Crunchwrap is much right, smaller than yeah, you'd think. Gordito, Mexico. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just kept coming back to Chihuahua and thinking, I can't talk myself out of it. Mm -hmm. And that, that reads perfectly into that question. So we will go with Chihuahua. And that was the correct answer. Question three tells us about a key mechanism developed for the flute that actually became uh, sort of an, an innovation in a different instrument, which evolved from something called the chalumeau. I had absolutely no idea on this one. Um, so I had to think, okay, it's inspired by a similar system for the flute. So what does a flute key system look like? And I was thinking, okay, I think it's like you know, a, a bunch of keys, but then also kind of like the little rods going between them. Mm -hmm. So like one key would move, one, one finger press on a key could move multiple other keys. Um, and I thought, okay, so what other instruments have that sort of thing? And I thought, does the saxophone, that, sound, that sounds like it could be the, the saxophone, but uh, then is that an orchestral instrument? Maybe not so much. I don't know. And then also the fact that... Uh, that instrument evolved from the Chalumeau. The saxophone famously was invented by Adolf Sax. And I feel like it's not, no, nobody really says that Sax evolved the saxophone. Mm. And you, I don't know that you would necessarily name something that, oh yeah, this used to be the Chalumeau, but this guy changed it a little, so we're going to name it after him. Also seems kind of not, didn't, didn't quite work for me. So I thought, okay, what else has that sort of flute-like multiple key uh, appearance to it that I could think of? And I thought the clarinet. Okay, that makes sense. The clarinet kind of has that. Is it a solo instrument? Yes. Is it orchestral? Yes. Uh, does it have a very? Does it have a low register that could be called the chalumeau? Sure. Yeah, I think there are clarinets that go low, and that's what you know you might call it that. I don't know. I've probably never heard that word in association with the clarinet or not, but I haven't not heard it. So I just kind of tried to 
figure out anything else that might fit in there. And I just couldn't think of another orchestral and solo type instrument that has that kind of key arrangement like a flute. Um, so I, I just kind of went clarinet and said, what the heck? I can't think of anything else. Yeah, this one, I think I, you know, well, kind of like most questions today relative to you, I, I just kind of took the shortcut. <laughs> um, I could picture that key mechanism that's on a flute pretty well, possibly because that story about Lizzo and the crystal flute has mm -hmm. been in the news mm -hmm. sure. um, recently. And so, you know, you can picture someone playing it and the key mechanism it has that those sort of interconnected, uh, almost button-like keys, like you mentioned. Um, and I thought, you know, well, what other instruments can I think of? Can I picture also having that kind of mechanism? I did think of the saxophone, but I thought that doesn't quite, um, you know, if you're talking about something that's borrowed from the flute, mm -hmm. then I'm picturing something that's long and straight like yeah. the flute. Yeah. Um, and so the clarinet came to mind next and I thought, could that have evolved from this very French sounding instrument? Well, clarinet looks pretty French derived mm. as well. Yeah. Um, mm. and so, you know, I just thought I, I sort of tried to think of other things, but really those are the two instruments that aligned most closely in my sense of, of how they look and how they're played. Um, and it just kind of kind of all hung together that way for me. So I also went with clarinet. And that was correct. How about that? How about that? Question four asks us what New York City in 1848 hosted Catherine Stebbins, Margaret Pryor, Amy Post, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and Lucretia Mott. This is Seneca Falls. Mm -hmm. um, I've been to Seneca Falls, mm. which uh, it was a story that my mom used to like to tell because we were coming back from some other trip and Seneca Falls was kind of on the way back through upstate New York. We might've mm. been visiting my okay. sister who had a, a summer internship or whatever in Corning. Um, and I just kind of was like, we have to stop there because <laughs> that sounds amazing. So it is a pretty neat to historical, you know, town to stop in there's all sorts of things about the um you know the the suffragist movement and mm -hmm. all sorts of things like that so uh the uh long story short is i knew this one um and i put down seneca falls because it's you know the the names are all um pretty famous well at least two of them are very famous suffragists the the other three are perhaps a little less prominent uh, in my memory, but Elizabeth Cady Stanton, especially I associate with Seneca Falls. Um, and then Lucretia Mott is a name I recognize too. The other ones, you know, a little bit less so. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is just a good straight up American history. Uh, you know, they, they were having a convention or something like that to, to, uh, for the movement. So mm -hmm. yep. yeah, Seneca Falls. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, once I saw Elizabeth Cady Stanton in particular, I figured this had to be the, I think it was the Convention on the Rights of Women uh, or something to something that effect. Like that. Yeah. Uh, this was probably fresh in my mind uh, because I recently listened to a podcast about a board game called Votes for Women, yeah. which is about the suffragette struggle. Sure. Um, and 
so yeah, that just snapped into place for me. I read it back and thought, Lucretia Mott, yeah, I think that sounds familiar as a, a feminist of the time. Stebbins' prior post, no, no idea. Mm. Had, had the faintest. If they, they cut that off at three, if it had been <laughs> another trilogy, that one probably would have killed me. But uh, 1848 sounded right. That was sure. you know, that was kind of the time that uh, that movement was kicking into gear. Yeah. Um, and was uh, very much set back by the Civil War and the uh, associated expansion of rights and the franchise uh, sure. to black Americans. That's uh, right. And I, mm-hmm. I don't tend to think of it that way. I right. end up thinking of it as that it really just kicked into gear after the Civil War. Mm-hmm without there being as much of that preamble as there was mm-hmm. this early in yeah. in U.S. history. Because um, I, I tend to think of it as a more, you know, culminating in, of course, the mm-hmm. 19th Amendment. I yes. always forget the numbers. 19th Amendment um, in 1920. In, in the early 20th century, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is a nice reminder for all of us, um, you know, on this post-election day, Thinking about how long some of these changes really take us. 72 years. Um, you know, so. Yeah. 72 years. From what? Seneca Falls to 19th Amendment. Right, right. I thought you were calculating. No, no, from not, Seneca not back from here. No. Yeah, the, the amendment to now, but, um, but yeah, you know, thinking about how long these changes take is both dismaying and a little comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I keep coming back to that phrase of. You know, we we uh, may not see the work finished within our lifetimes, mm-hmm. but neither we are we free to abandon it, and so we shan't. Question five asks us: <laughs> Speaking of uh, interesting <laughs> historical artifacts, gives us the chemical formula for a chemical weapon that has an odor resembling a couple of different plants that are named in the question, and asks for the plant from which it derives its common name. This is a brief block of instruction in uh, initial military training. Sure. Uh, chemical weapons. And, you know, if you suddenly smell horseradish, garlic, or mustard, mm-hmm. then you are to put on your mask immediately while yelling gas, gas, gas to make sure that everyone else knows to put their mask on. Got it. So, yeah, I just kind of read through this and thought, oh, okay, yeah, this is, I'm trying, thinking back, like, okay, horseradish, garlic, like one of them, okay. Mm-hmm. Fresh mown grass or hay. No, that's something else. Uh, hmm. And then I, I forget what that, I forget, that's some kind of nerve agent. Uh, and then horseradish, garlic, and then something like, oh, yeah, this is mustard, mustard mm-hmm. gas, um, which I, I don't know whether it actually is derived at all from mustard or if they just got it hmm. uh, or if they just named it that because it smelled like it. But good uh, question. this was a, a thing that popped right into my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this didn't take me very long to puzzle out, um, you know, really just thinking about, okay, it's, I mean, for me, it ends up coming back to a bit of a food and drink question, because that's what we're <laughs> looking at here is um, these uh, foods or, or herbs or what have you with very astringent, uh, strong scents and flavors. And um, for a while, I just kept trying to think of, things that were more closely related to horseradish or garlic, like onion, because onion, you know, was pretty much a chemical weapon against my eyes when I cook foods with it um, and and have to chop it in the kitchen. Um, But I thought, well, there's, 
there's not something called that that I've heard of. Like this, this has got to be something that's, mm-hmm. you know, got this other common name. And I thought, oh, so like it's it's got to be some other uh, gas. And then it, then mustard gas came right to mind. I thought, yeah, that makes sense that um, mustard, especially as you think of sort of like the original. Um, you know, stone ground kind of mustard has that kind of, um, a, a, not acerbic, but, um, just like a, a, a distinctive, you know, sharp, um, smell and flavor. And so once the phrase mustard gas kind of came into my head, that was easy enough. And I, um, thought, okay, yeah, that must be mustard. And it was. Indeed. Question six. The trilogy is Warner Baxter in 1926, Alan Ladd in 1949, or Redford in 1974. And who played that character in 2013? Right. So, you know, there's a couple angles to approach this from. One is, you know, what films have I seen with any of these actors in them? Mm-hmm. And if I'm trying to identify it, a Warner Baxter film I have already lost. <laughs> um, and kind of similarly, I I couldn't pick up a through line between Alan Ladd and Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. That that just didn't kinda kinda jibe for me or whatever. Uh, and then trying to think of the 2013 film that could be similar to these and I think I just kinda you know couldn't cast about for the character that all of these people could have played. I was thinking of, you know, A Star is Born, which has been remade several times. Mm. Um, but I knew that the new one with Bradley Cooper was not out in 2013. Mm-hmm. It was much later than that. Um, and so I, you know, I kind of puzzled over this one a bunch and I couldn't think of, you know, what would be the character that could be, um, yeah, I thought about um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid because, like, a character that was already extant in 1926 to have a movie made about it mm-hmm. suggested something that had been developed well before 1926, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think is, is what threw me off a little bit here. Um, and so I couldn't put any of that together. The pieces would not um, fit together neatly. So finally I thought, well... Who's likely to play the 2013 equivalent of a Robert Redford role? And I thought Brad Pitt, uh, who has, you know, co-starred with Robert Redford, I think more than once in, in almost a, you know, almost a visible passing of the torch um, between the two of them. Uh, prominently a river runs through it. But I, okay. um, you know, it just. I, I couldn't kind of make this one gel, so I put down Pitt. I also took forever on this one. This was probably uh, the reason that I didn't sit down earlier in the morning and, and get it done, because I mm. rolled it over in my head a little bit at the beginning of the day and just wasn't landing on it. And finally I did open up and answer and everything else was done, and then I looked at that one and I thought, Sundance. Sundance Kid, that somebody in the Sundance Cassidy, 
something Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? No, that's what the what the hell was that guy's name? Which one was Robert Redford? <laughs> I have no idea. The other one was Paul Newman, right? Yeah, the other one was Paul Newman. What was his name? What the hell was the name of that movie? Just absolutely could not land on it. And wow. Here's the point where if you think I'm cheating, this is this is the, all the evidence you need because I have absolutely no idea. But I thought, okay, what else would Robert Redford have been doing in the early 70s that was a famous character? And I thought, Gatsby? Out of nowhere. I have not seen <laughs> that version of The Great Gatsby. I have not seen the Alan Ladd version of The Great Gatsby. I also do not know who the hell that first guy is, whose name I have forgotten because I put down my phone four seconds ago. Warner Baxter. Warner Baxter. If you told me Baxter Warner right then, I would absolutely <laughs> believed you. And I just, but for some reason, I thought, would Redford have done a Gatsby in 74? I think he would have. Did he? Maybe. I, I don't know. Did Alan Ladd do one in the 40s or the 50s or whatever the hell that was? Sure. Yeah, that would, that would kind of make sense for Alan Ladd to do a great Gatsby. Sure. No, it wouldn't. Yeah. Why wouldn't it? Because he's Alan Ladd. Are you thinking of Alan Hale Jr.? No. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Golly. I Alan, Alan Ladd was in Shane, right? I don't know Shane. Well, he, so he was like he's, he's like one of the square jawed cowboy types, right? I like Redford. Think so. Like like I feel like he's I feel like he's one of those guys who would have been a good Gatsby, uh, perhaps even a great Gatsby. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so I thought, well, was Gatsby before before nineteen twenty whatever the heck the first one was twenty going here twenty six. Maybe it was around, it was certainly around that time. I know it was in the twenties. Uh, it might have even been before nineteen twenty-five. Uh, matter of fact, I think it was because I once remember thinking, uh, I once remember putting together a, uh, what I thought were the four uh, great novels of the twentieth century, and one of one of them was nineteen eighty-four, which was published in nineteen forty-nine, uh, and one of the other ones was The Great Gatsby, which would have been. And, and I remember thinking, oh, there's like been one for each in each quarter century. So mm. maybe Gatsby was pre-1925 or thereabouts or near 1925. So it would have been before 1926, sure. Mm. So would there have been an adaptation of it that quickly? Yeah, because back then that happened a lot. Like they did a lot of uh, movies that were made very quickly, fairly cheaply from books that were still very popular. Um, it was not like, Nowadays, when you know you'll get like a Gone Girl, a couple of years later, because mm. uh, it just takes that long to make a movie. You can't just call up Ben Affleck and say, "Be on the lot on Monday. We're going to make a movie out of this book." Um, so I, I just kept thinking, Gatsby makes sense. Okay, so who played Gatsby in twenty thirteen? I thought, is that when the is that when the DiCaprio version came out? Did DiCaprio play Gatsby in that version? Because I, I haven't seen that one either. I think probably he did. Uh, I don't remember who else was in that movie, but uh, you don't get... I, I just didn't see DiCaprio as, as any of the other characters uh, besides Jay Gatsby. Uh, so I just thought, yeah, 2013 sounds about right. Like, again, I've, I've, as I mentioned either yesterday or the day before, uh, the idea of when movies were made before the pandemic kind of stretches for me. Yeah. Like I, I genuinely would have said, if you'd asked how long ago was that was DiCaprio's great Gatsby made, I would have said four or five years, but mm -hmm. I got to add two to that, two or three to that to reflect the, 
the pandemic freezing my brain. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, four, five, six years before 2020. There you go. Yeah, that's about right. So yeah, we'll say that it was Leonardo DiCaprio. That was the correct answer. Well done. I, I genuinely have no idea how I uh, how I popped that. I don't. Well, I mean, I saw, I believe, the Redford version of Gatsby. Uh, in This is in retrospect, of course, realizing that I saw it in English class in high school. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, probably a lot of us did at mm-hmm. a certain age. Um, but I have mostly occupied myself while you explained your logic here <laughs> by looking up Alan Ladd, naturally, mm-hmm. who has not been in a particular type of movie at all okay there's no through line between as far as i can tell by the titles mind you okay uh what he was in he was you know active from like the early 30s through uh the mid 60s let's say and there's certainly a bunch of westerns i'm gonna guess without even looking did he die of lung cancer didn't everybody? That's that what. Time? That's what I, I'm thinking. Um, like, it, let it me just, see. It I, uh, seems like a guy who. And you were right. He was in Shane as well. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah. So he's particularly in westerns. That mm-hmm. that is probably the through line. So the Great Gatsby to me is not a western. No, I, I'm not gonna. You know. No. That's. I, I don't know why. He, like, to me, he didn't suggest that. And and there's. No. A, <laughs> I'm not trying to like argue right. you down or mm-hmm. something no, no, from it. Fine. I just. Just I. No. In Nothing fact, would lead me from him to yeah. the Great Gatsby. In fact, according to Wikipedia, Lad died of an accidental combination of alcohol, barbiturate, and two tranquilizers. <laughs> well, so, there you have it. There you go. Um, but yeah, he was in a lot of what looks like just absolute trash mm-hmm. oh, yeah. throughout yeah. his career, as, as everybody was. I was reading, oh, yeah. you know, speaking of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, mm-hmm. um, there was a relatively recent New Yorker um review of a new i mean they call it a memoir but paul newman didn't really write his own memoir exactly mm-hmm. it was much more of a biography i would say um based on how it was made and they he talked about how you know he made some ludicrous number of movies many of which were just terrible mm-hmm just awful you know like he got on the um what was the there there was one that was so bad um that he famously when it got was gonna you know air on like network television Mm -hmm. he took out ads apologizing for (laughs) it or you know just publicly said i'm sorry about this this is just terrible Mm. um and was you know I, I i could go on and on about paul newman now because i learned all these facts about his life <laughs> like what a drunk he was um and uh, all these things you know, mentioned in the um in in reviewing these biographies um but in any case the thing is like working actors in that time just constantly worked just made tons yep. and tons and tons of movies yep uh, and, and Alan Ladd is also very in that mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it looked like he took whatever, you know, work was thrown at him. And it looks like literally a lot of it was actually thrown um, with force. <laughs> uh, although he he was in Citizen Kane mm-hmm. for a brief appearance, it appears. 
Um, so he, he kind of, you know, had an almost uh, Gump-like, you know, uh, <laughs> he's in everything from, you know, hell on Frisco Bay to Citizen Kane. Um, so interesting little rabbit hole there, I suppose. But yeah. but I am getting in the way of you saying... I bearded it. How about that? I was... I, Nicely done. I genuinely... Clarinet was a total flyer. Sure. Uh, I was... Uh, profoundly uncertain of either DiCaprio or how I got to DiCaprio. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, one of the other ones that I just don't even mm. remember at this point because we've been talking about other stuff for so long. Uh, yeah. Blue Origin, yeah, was, yeah, you know, that was a good guess basically me, a coin flip. So I was very, very gratified as I scrolled down my after I submitted and realized that somehow I had managed to bear it today. Well, and, you know, I... I wish I could be more excited about my five out of six. <laughs> I happen to be up against a, a friend of ours mm-hmm. who is also a wily competitor mm-hmm. and uh, discovered that I lost defensively because mm. I put two points. We, we both missed the same question, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the the film question, uh, but I put two points on it and he put three, Oof. knowing me as he does. Bummer. So, yep, defensive loss um that i that i already know about so ah oh well hopefully tomorrow will uh turn out a little better yeah. but that's it for today so tune in tomorrow for more post game analysis and remember don't forfeit don't cheat